And as I get to the beginning of this house, get this, oh crap feeling again. And then I start smelling this horrid smell. It's like wet dog and rotten flesh. Uh, I was terrified. And I turned and looked and I saw this figure crouched, crouched down in the brush. It stood up and this thing had shoulders on it that would make a linebacker scared. It chased me down that hill. As I made that turn, it grabbed the back of my shirt. You're listening to The Cryptid Creature Show with Brian and Todd. If you're enjoying the show or would like to submit an encounter, visit our website at www.cryptidcreatures.net or you can email us at info at cryptidcreatures.co. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Cryptid Creature Show. This is Brian, and right over there with me, as always, is Todd. What's up, buddy? Hello, Brian. Hello, listeners. Brian, tonight's guest comes from West Virginia, as you know. West Virginia, a big Bigfoot hotspot. Yeah, it is a hotspot, and um, he had a very interesting encounter. I I don't know what to say about it other than it's just really crazy, and it's going to be I know. I'm excited to hear it. I can't wait. We don't want to hold these guys in suspense any longer let's just bring them on and That's see right. what happened right on let's get him there he is yeah can you hear me okay yeah all right so you guys wanted me to get on and uh talk about what happened back when i was 13 we just wanted to thank you for taking the time and talking to us tonight and uh you had a bigfoot encounter yeah. there in what west virginia is that right uh yes Okay. Why don't you just, yeah, tell us what happened. Okay. Um, we moved to Kanawha City, West Virginia, um, and we moved there from Ohio. Anyway, uh, didn't know anybody new there. You know, new kid, name like Chester, kind of hard to get to know people because they like to make fun of your name. Anyway, uh, things weren't always the greatest at the house either. My father was a an alcoholic, so I tried to stay outside as much as possible. I mean, I never had anybody teach me about hunting or fishing. Everything I know about the outdoors, um, I'm self-taught. But anyway, um, the Kanawha Mall is now gone. But uh, I used to steal shopping carts from the Kanawha Mall, go down to the river, go catfish and bring them home. And, you know, we had freezers full of catfish. And uh, I made homemade bows and arrows and would take deer, squirrel, you know, I, I did a lot of time out in the woods. And, uh, so, I mean, I wasn't no stranger to it. You know, I'd been doing this since, oh goodness, since I was probably 10 years old, I played in the woods, you know, maybe younger than that. No supervision. I just run on my own and, you know, I figured out everything on my own. And I mean, I'd seen mountain lions, I've seen bears, I've seen their tracks, you know, and no stranger to any of the tracks and animal sounds. Uh, I camped out in the woods a lot. And I mean, talking way back in the mountains you know we're not talking where your average joe is going to go field in this four-wheeler go a half a mile out in the woods to go deer hunting i mean some of these places i went it take you a half a day to get to and that's just straight hiking no breaks no stopping you know i mean way way back in there no trails where you wouldn't see a deer stand ever and uh, when we moved to Kanawha City, uh, the road was 57th Street that went straight up. And uh, my road that I lived on was a second on the left. But it was, uh, I believe it was called Victory Avenue. But the, the two roads on the left, they converged to a point. And where that point was to make one road, my house was right there. And the back of my house was like dead up against the mountainside. They had dug out some of the mountain to build this house so i mean i can open the back door reach out and touch the flat where they had dug it out or i can walk up and around and leap from the hillside onto the roof of my house to get in the attic if i needed to so i mean literally mountains right behind my house if you go on up 57th street it was an extremely steep hill after victory avenue and this hill was so steep you didn't ride bicycles down it you didn't ride a skateboard down it because if you were riding a bicycle down it was so steep 
you couldn't use a brake except the bacteria slide until it popped. So you either walked up it or, you know, pushed whatever you were on down it. Well, I had a couple of friends that were all the way at the end of this street and they lived on the left-hand side and just past the back door of their house, I'd say 30 yards. It was just a sheer drop off ravine and it went down a good 60, 70 feet straight down. And then you have about 10 feet and then it goes straight back up. And at the top, there was a logging road that's this mountain. And the only way you could get down in that gully and back up is right there where we had dug out hand and footholds with shovels and you climbed it like a ladder. And that's what I would do is I'd go out my back door up to that logging road, circle the mountain, and then go down, down in that gully and back up to go to their house. It was actually easier than going up that steep hill on 57th Street to go up to my friend's house. Well, my friends, they got in trouble a lot. They were brothers. They were always fighting or they'd stay out late. And in that area, if the streetlights come on and you were outside, you were in trouble. I mean, you were in before dark. And whenever the sun started going down, the parents were outside yelling at their kids to get in the house. I mean, yelling at them. I didn't understand why. Nobody cared if you were out a little bit after dark. But in that area, if they yelled for you, you better be running. And if you some time, you were in a lot of trouble. My parents, they didn't care if I didn't come in that night. Oh, well, they figured I was hanging out at a friend's house or down by uh, 57th Street and Bickner Avenue, there's a corner there and those basketball courts. And, you know, we'd hang out there or I'd hang out there and play basketball or whatever. But since my friends got grounded a lot, I spent a lot of times up in the mountains behind my house, up beyond that logging road. I mean, we're talking up over top of the mountain, down another one and, you know, three or four mountains over. And it wasn't until, I don't know, a few years ago, five or six, seven years ago, that I took a good look at that area. And I realized that I was in the far back side of the Kanawha National Forest. And I mean, there's no hiking trails back there. No, nobody visits that area. I mean, there is just nothing but woods and a big pond up in there. I mean, we're talking, you know, the Kanawha National Forest is massive. I, I don't remember off the top of my head how many acres it is, but it's gigantic. And this area that I would go back up into, um, I would see, you know, trees that have been broke off and strange patterns, but never really gave it a whole lot of thought. Not until afterwards. I'd hear whoops and wood knocks and all kinds of strange noises I didn't recognize. And I just blew it off, you know, just some animal I didn't know about is what my thought in it was. And, what I thought was weird is all the mountains that I'd been in for years, I never saw any deer sign. I never saw any signs of bears. It was rare to see a squirrel on occasion. There'd be a small bird, but it, I mean, it just far off. It never was anywhere close to me and me going up in there. I mean, I'd even seen like little stick figures that were tied together with vines hung in trees, like a, like a, kid made a stick figure toy and hung it up there um it, it was crazy and i'd even seen trees that were six seven feet in the air and five or six inches thick snapped off and we're not talking like well when wind breaks a tree it splinters this is like you would take a dry twig and twist and snap it i mean it was snapped clean it was just frayed at the end a little bit like bristles and i saw that i mean it was not uncommon for me to see that but I started feeling like I'd been being watched when I go up in there. And a lot of this, I'm, I haven't shared at all. I mean, it wasn't uncommon for me to be outside at night, just walking the street or whatever, or hanging out outside of my house and hear limbs snap in the woods. And I, I just think deadfall, no big deal, but it was constantly, it was a lot of it more than usual. But I mean, then again, we're talking mountains and mountains of woods and, you know, out my back door, walk a straight line, it's miles with nothing. I mean, no houses up there, nothing, not even a shack, shed, nothing. And that's unusual, right? I mean, you walk in the woods, eventually you're going to find a barn or something, but there's nothing. I mean, I never, the only road or anything or trail I hit up through there was just that old logging road that was approximately 300 yards out my back door up to that logging road. But, uh, 
I started feeling like I was being watched and it kind of made me a little uneasy, but I, again, I was a stupid kid. I didn't think a whole lot about it. And I'm, I'd been going up through there and seeing these little stick figures, thought it'd be funny to knock one down, you know, out of the tree and break it. Dumb 13 year old kid. Right. Some of these structures I'd pushed over and, you know, messed around. Well, I had this bright idea of hiking way back up in there and setting up a camp. You know, it's like, man, you know, there's this big pond back here and I'll go up here and I'll fish overnight and camp out in my little lean-to. And it's what I did. I went up there and I set me up a lean-to and set me up a little camp. But I got an uneasy feeling while I was there. And I'm like, okay, I've got a lantern. I'm going to walk back home. I'll do it another day. So I went back to the house and, uh, you know, several days later, I just, uh, okay, well, we'll go back up there. Whatever animal it did might've moved on through. Well, uh, it didn't. I went up there and it had tore down my lead to, and it put its structures back up. I'm like, all right, you know what? You done made me mad. I took over this camp. This is my camp. And what I did was pretty stupid. I started setting on my list again and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make this thing mad. You know, I thought it was funny to make this thing mad. So I went up to several of the trees and I took a leak on them and I peed up as high as I could on those trees. Several of them. That wasn't a good idea. I got this uneasy feeling again and I got out of there. I went home. Well, I waited two, three weeks, you know, and, I, I guarantee you there was no storms, no rain, no strong winds or nothing. I decided I'm going to go back up here and check out that area again. Yeah, I just want to go up there and go fishing in that lake. So I hiked back up there and this mountaintop where I'd taken a leak on this structure and those trees. Just imagine a giant with a gigantic sword and swing and sieve all the trees off six to eight feet in the air. All of them, the whole mountaintop. Any tree wow. that was eight inches or lower diameter was just sliced clean off. It, it, that's what it looked like. I mean, they were shattered and I was like, Oh no, something is mad. And my blood ran cold. I got chills. I'm getting chills and goosebumps right now talking about that. But I mean, something was mad. And I mean, it was at least an acre of trees. It was just sheared clean off like that on the top of a mountain. So sorry chills that's all right take your time i pulled out my knife and i slowly eased my way off that mountaintop and i felt like something was following me um i had this oh poop feeling <laughs> i mean my blood was running cold um best way to describe the feeling i had coming out of there is having a snarling dog following you ready to attack but you can't see it but I could hear it leaves quite a ways off, but I couldn't see it. Um, and the only explanation I have for not being able to see it is if you're out deer hunting and the deer is in the brush, 50, hundred yards off and it stops moving, it literally will disappear. If you're not trained to look for that shape. I mean, it happens all the time. Deer will be walking through the leaves and stuff. They blow in so good. They stop gone until they move again. And anyway, uh, I worked my way out of there. It took hours. And uh, I mean, I just knew I was in trouble walking out of there. I mean, something was following me. And every now and again, when I would look, I would see something move behind a tree at a distance. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the house. It was closer for me to come down the side of the mountain to my friend's house. So that's what I did. I come down the side, hit that logging road. And a mix coming down the side of that mountain, I was having rocks thrown at me. <laughs> and I would hear stick breaking and tree knocks and whoops and, you know, just all kinds of noises start coming from the woods as I start getting close to closer to civilization. I climbed down that gully and back up the other side to my friend's house, and they had been grounded. Well, they were outside doing yard work, and I sat down at their picnic table. And my back was probably 15 feet from where that gully went down, where we had cleared it out. But everywhere else was so steep. 
loose rocks choked with briars and vine and brush, you couldn't get through there. I mean, if you did, me or you guys, I mean, we'd have to be up there with a machete and climbing ropes to get through there. It, it's, not, it's not possible to cross it. Needless to say, I put it out of my mind what was going on. Not going back up there, fine, it's over. They had to go in the house, and we had sat around and talked. Street lights came on. It got dark. Parents realized they weren't in the house. They got grounded. I was sent home, and it was about 9 o'clock at night. Street lights are on, and the street lights are on the opposite side of the road of the gully. I'm like, oh, no. Something was following me out of the woods, and now I'm going home in the dark. I'm in trouble. <laughs> so I go to the road, and about 100 yards down, from my friend's house towards my house is this red brick house and it's abandoned. It's falling in half the roof is gone, but on the back side of it, there's a wall that sticks out about three or four feet and just ends. And this wall's eight foot all around this house are great vines and briars. Could we sneak in there and what blackberries and stuff we can get to and what grapes, but you couldn't go back in there as well. Thick is, so I approach this house, and as I get to the beginning of this house, I get this, oh, crap feeling again. And then I start smelling this horrid smell. It's like wet dog and rotten flesh and maybe a little bit of burn smell. It, it, it was horrible. And my heart, like, literally stopped in my chest. I, I mean, breathing was a task. Uh, I was terrified whenever I smelled it. And I'm like, okay, maybe whatever this is, I could tiptoe past it. So I move over into the shadows, which is closer to the house. The streetlight is illuminating the other side. And I figure if I'm in the shadows, I can sneak by it. So I start easing by this house one tiptoe at a time, real slow. I'm looking around trying to figure out why I have this feeling again of like a snarling dog getting ready to attack. And I don't know where it is. So I start sneaking by this house and I get to the far end of that house and I one or two steps past the corner of that house. The house is about eight feet to my right. The wall is about 15 feet off the edge of my, the road to my right. And the moon was happened to be almost full that night. It, it had a good backdrop. Well, I heard some noise in the brush over there and I turned and looked. I mean, I turned completely and looked. And I saw this figure crouch, crouch down in the brush. It stood up. And this thing had shoulders on it that would make a linebacker scared. I mean, this thing was big. It was wide. Its shoulders were a good four feet wide. And it stood up. And its shoulder was just about even with the top of that eight-foot brick wall. It looked like it had no neck. Its head came up and had a slight cone shape to its head, but it wasn't really dome-shaped. It was curved, you know, like it had a, a ridge. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see its eyes because the moonlight was behind it, but I could see its silhouette. And, uh, I mean, this thing is just massive. I couldn't see – I could see its waist, but I couldn't see its hands. You know, its waist was above the height of those brush, four and a half, five feet. But its hands were way below its waist. It was only two or three seconds I stood there looking at this thing, didn't know what to do. And then it did this screaming roar. And the, the roar lasted for two or three seconds, but it felt like it hit me. So I remember when it hit me, I took a step back, but I felt it in my bones. I mean, the force of this scream was just unbelievable. You could stand in front of a train horn and they blast a train horn. That's not that strong. I mean, this thing was a screaming roar. <laughs> and when the scream stopped, I was gone. I mean, I was gone down that hill running as fast as I possibly could. And again, to my remind you, this hill is too steep to ride a bicycle down. I don't know how I manage it, but I ran down this hill. And I heard it crash through those brush. And I heard a smack. And I assume, in hindsight, it may have tripped, slapped its hand on the road, pulled itself up, and came after me. 
it chased me down that hill. And when I hit the curve to my road, I leaned into that curve like a motorcycle rider. I mean, I, I leaned into it and I kept going. As I made that turn, it grabbed the back of my shirt and the back of my shirt was ripped off. I didn't know it at the time, but I got light fingernail scratches down my back. Four of them that were really, really widely spaced. <laughs> I ran up there and I snatched open that front door, slammed it shut, locked it, and I dove under my bed. Now, on this house that we lived in, there was two bedrooms. That was it. One for my sister and one for my mom and dad. My room was a sun porch. It had three-foot wall and then glass from there to the ceiling, three walls. They hung up heavy drapes so I could have privacy. And then, like, on each side of the front door was a drape, like a hallway. But that was my room. Anyway, my dad came running in there, and he grabbed me by the ankle and yanked me out of that up and under that bed and i'm screaming and swinging and i'm i'm full panic mode this part me being in full panic mode and my dad slapping my face i learned later from my sister and my mom i didn't remember it <clears throat> but he picked me up slapped my face and he threw me into a chair and started shaking me and he's like what the h is wrong with you and i finally come through and all I could say was something chased me and it almost got me. And they're like, what is it? I'm like, I, I, I have no idea what it is. I don't know. It chased me to the house. And my dad turned around and there was a shadow because it was a street light out in front of our house. A shadow went by the side window of the house. It just blocked out the whole window and the window was back. He walked over to the window he put the window, the curtain back slowly and he turned around and he goes, boy, what the heck did you bring out of those mountains to us? And he was white as a sheet when he said it. And I, I responded, I have no idea what it is. I don't know. It chased me. It tried to get me. And he started turning off lights and he's like, everybody be quiet and go to bed. And that's what we did. Everybody shut up. We went to bed. I remember laying there for a while trying to go to sleep and then I don't know if I had adrenaline crash or I fainted or what, but it was well after midnight. I started hearing tappings at my windows and something rubbing my windows and a sniffing sound like, you know, a dog sniffing a scent and it's going all around my room sniffing and it's real strong. I mean, you know, not like a deer blow, but it's sniffing, but it's really, really powerful. You know, I mean, you got a set of lungs like a bellows to, that sound and it's going around my room and i'm watching this big shadow raise up and lower and raise up and lower it's a big shadowed silhouette going around my room i grabbed my blankets crawled underneath my bed and curled up in a ball until morning it went on for several weeks almost every night this thing's outside my bedroom windows and i did not go back in the mountains at all after that night not in that area and to this day, I don't venture very far out in the mountains or woods. If I go deer hunting, I'm maybe 200 yards out in the woods. That's it. <laughs> wow. I don't I don't go any further. Almost every night, sniffing, tapping the glass, I'd see big muddy fingerprints and handprints on the windows. Well, there was one night that I woke up, and I could see the streetlights and everything. So I pulled open my curtain to look. I'm like, do I have a break tonight? I pulled over the curtain and then everything goes black. And I'm like, did this street light go out? It was weird. And then it ducks down and its face is literally right here on the other side of a pane of glass in front of me. <laughs> and let me tell you, it, it scared the living daylights out of me. It did. It absolutely did. Well, I told my, bat, my dad about what was going on. And it wasn't too much longer before we moved out of the state of West Virginia to South Carolina. I mean, we moved. Um, I believe the only thing that kept me from being killed is that I was a kid. And if an adult had done that, forget it. I think this thing eventually figured out that I was not an adult and I'd done something stupid. But it, it, it was, yeah, I can't think of anything else in my life that even has scratched the surface of being that terrifying. That's probably one of the best Bigfoot encounters we've had yet, Chester, I got to yeah, say. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I did a, an interview a while back, and I said ammonia on it. Uh, you know, to keep it clean because kids do listen to that channel. But yeah, I actually went out there and took a leak on this thing's trees and structures. And yeah, I don't recommend anybody ever doing that to try to get a picture on a counter because it could cost you your life. Yeah. yeah. It very well could cost you your life. So, how far away were you when you first saw this thing standing by the brick wall or the house there? Um, when I first saw it, like, ducking behind the trees and stuff, uh, it was about 100 to 50 yards away when I was coming out and I see it behind the trees. But when it screamed at me, about 15 feet, maybe 18 feet. Right, Whenever it stood up out of those bushes, I mean, it was maybe the length of a short pickup truck away. And there wasn't nothing but vines and air between us. And then, of course, at the house, there was a sheet of glass. I mean, just regular thin. They didn't even have safety glass back then. I mean, we're talking 1988. You know, they didn't put safety glass in houses. And I'm telling you, if this thing wants to, mm. and it wants you in your house, that house isn't going to stop it. If you're in a pickup, it isn't going to stop it. I saw firsthand what one of these things can do when they're enraged and they take it out on the forest around them. I've seen tornadoes do less damage to trees than what this thing did. Tornado, it'll leave saplings and stuff. There was nothing. It was just all sheared clean off. And like I said, the best way I could describe it is a giant with a gigantic sword just and take everything out and then throw it to boot, you know. Right. But there was out at all those trees knocked down. A lot of them that had been torn down were turned into, I mean, hundreds of teepee structures all over that mountaintop. I doubt they're still there due to wood rot, but probably 15 years ago, they probably still were there. But the funny thing is, I've looked at that same area on Google Earth and it shows nothing but clean trees, but I know that it was just sheared. I mean, there, there might be trees there now, but. 10, 15 years ago when I was looking it up, there wouldn't have been that many trees there. It had been a low spot in the forest. So I don't know if they're covering that up or not. But I will tell you that for many, many years after that, I wouldn't go in the woods alone. I wouldn't go in there very far. I'd go fishing alone. But I would never go hunting or trapping alone for a long time after that. I don't blame you. A lot of the artist renditions of the the way this thing looks in the face it's a lot of them are pretty accurate i mean you know they they've got bald patches on their face like we do when we grow a beard but i mean this thing didn't have a long you know beard like i do i mean it was shorter but it had you know the brow was sticking out a little bit more it had a higher forehead and the head was oh my gosh if you watch the movie princess bride whenever Andre the Giant stars in this and he gets into a, a wrestling match with this guy Wesley and he jumps on him to choke him out from behind Andre the Giant's head is like five times bigger than this guy's head and that's what this thing was like its head was huge its head was three or four times bigger than mine wow. these things are just they all have massive proportions you're going up in their area they know that area I mean, they live there. This is where they hunt. They know every tree. They know every stick. They know every burrow. They know where every edible plant is up there. That's their home. They live up there every day. So if something new is in that area, they're going to smell it. They're going to see it a long ways off. And they're going to easily be able to avoid it. I mean, you know, you're a hunter. You walk and you take one step. You wait two or three seconds. You take another step. A lot of people, when they walk in the woods, they just make all kinds of noise. I've hunted with other people, and they sound like a, a pair of squirrels fighting with broadswords coming through the woods. I mean, they make a lot of noise. But I can tell you that any time this thing was around me and walking, I barely heard it. And a deer, you know, a deer just traveling through the woods, I'll take a few steps and stop and listen and look. And I believe that's the way these things do, too. If you put something new in their area, they're going to spot it. I mean, they're a hunter. They hunt prey, they hunt food, and they're always looking at the minute details of, hey, is that edible? Hey, is that edible? 
And I believe that's how they are so good at spotting trail cams. I mean, if you're walking around, you're looking for mushrooms, you're looking for any different thing on a tree, and you can spot a trail cam a long way off. I don't care how good somebody camouflages, I can walk through the woods looking for mushrooms and find them. You know, and then I've also got thoughts about how people take pictures. If you try to take a picture of a deer off in the distance through brush in the woods, it's going to be blurry because your phone is or camera is going to focus on closer stuff. If this deer is walking and not in an opening, even more difficult, you're just going to get a brown blur. People get great pictures of deer because they're standing in a the field. They're standing there looking at them at 30, 40 yards. They're not 50, 60 yards off walking with obstructions where the camera is going to focus on the clearer image instead of the further away image. The only way you're going to get a good picture of this is if it stops right there in an opening and you have a good camera in a couple of seconds to get ready and your pulse is not racing 900 miles an hour. I mean, if you're scared, your hands are shaking and something like this appears on you, you're not going to be prepared to take a picture. Right. And back on whenever I was 13 years old, my mom had an Instamatic camera. You flip it up, Polaroid Instamatic, click, prints a picture out, shake it a little bit. There's your picture. I never dreamed or even thought about taking a picture of this thing. I was afraid I'd trigger an attack. <laughs> and up there in that area that I lived, if that thing come in your house and smashed your door down, nobody's coming outside. I mean, the people in that area knew what was going on and what was in that area. The kids were never allowed to play in the woods. I was the only one that did it. I mean, I had a guy up there had long gray hair, real old guy. He always sat on his porch with a double barrel shotgun, smoking his pipe. And they said he was an Indian. I mean, he had leather face. And I actually had the guy stop and tell me, hey, boy, you need to stay out of those woods. There's things out you there you do not understand. And I'm like, what do you mean? He just got up and walked in the house. They won't talk about it up in there. I mean, after it happened, I'd ask my friends if they knew anything about it. And they're like, we can't talk about it. And they would not talk about it up there. So everybody up in that holler in that area knew of it or had seen it. I mean, everybody up through there. Sun starts going down. You're in the house. That was it. Chester, when you saw that thing through the glass, did it look more gorilla or ape-like or more human-like? Or how would you describe it? It was a... The best way I could describe it is kind of Neanderthal man versus gorilla. Yeah, You know what I mean? You, you've seen the depictions of Neanderthal right. man with the brow and stuff. But its yep. nose was kind of gorilla-like, and its mouth was kind of a cross in between because it had, you know, it had human-like teeth, but it also had canines. If that makes any sense, I mean, all its other teeth were straight, and then it had upper and lower canines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've heard that leads before. Me to believe, thinking back yeah. on it, it's omnivorous, just like most chimpanzees are omnivore. Um, you know, I mean, they'll eat meat or you know foliage. Mm -hmm. You know, looking at its eyes, its eyes were almost completely black, but I believe it's because I had a light on behind me when I opened the curtain. So, you know, your irises, your eyes get big to absorb more light. And I mean, its eyes were pretty big and its irises, I mean, almost took up the whole eye like a cat, which leads me to believe they're more nocturnal than anything else. I mean, around here where I live now, I've had them throw pebbles on the roof at night, nothing major. Um, I can set out apples in my yard and the next morning they're gone. And I've actually had little presents of rocks set on my porch, you know, little red semi-transparent rocks on the porch. It's, you know, nothing like the creek rock I have here, which is all busted flint and sandstone. I've had stuff like that, but after what happened to me back then, I'm like, y'all go your way, I'll go my way. We're good with that, you know. You know, and of course, me going hunting now, I'm real conscientious about where I use the restroom. Because, I mean, you never know. Some of these missing 411 cases, people hike on the trail. They're shy. They walk 200 yards off the trail and take a leak and wind up disappearing because of it. Yeah, I mean, there's a I lot do. of cases where people just walk up the trail to use the bathroom and they're all, they never show up. No sign of them. 
Yeah, it's so weird. You know, it's it's theories. Hunters have been screamed at while they're in their deer stand. All the hunters I know, if they have to use the bathroom, they're in the tree stand. They just, no big deal. The smell can actually attract a deer. But them being screamed at by a Bigfoot or woods ape or whatever, it could be triggered to that smell. So uh, I, I, I tell everybody that's to me about going up there and investigating, you know, looking for these things. I always tell them, be careful where you use the bathroom because that's what triggered what, I mean, it put up with me messing with its structures and all that. It put up with me, but when I when I did what I did, game so over. So you marked your territory. Yeah, I marked their territory as my own. Yeah, yeah well, that's that's a good theory. Uh, the next time Brian and I are out squatching, we're just going to pee everywhere and see what happens, right? No, I would set up trail cams. <laughs> we want to see one and do that and be way out of the area and make sure they're the trail cams that send the picture to you. Yeah, because I don't know if your trail cams would survive it. I don't, I don't think we want to, you know what I mean? Fight. I mean, it might cost you a couple trail cams, but it's, but I mean, you want to go to an area that has them and this area where I live, I mean, like I said, I'd hike miles and miles back up in there. I come back up in the morning and there'd be these giant footprints in the grass in my yard from the dew. And I followed their trail up through the leaves. Many times I could see kicked over leaves. And by following a trail is how I found that area that had that big pond. That it led me back to that pond, but I mean, we're talking months, uh, once or twice a week, me going up there, taking literally the same path and back down and messing around. And this thing was following me back home and I would follow it home. It's kind of a little game. It turned into not so much of a game, mm-hmm. but I think me going up in there a lot had made it curious because it had been around my house before it came to chase me home. It had been around the house several times, uh, 50 or 60 times it walked around the house, but I never heard it. But I always see signs in the morning, you know, giant 16, 18 inch long footprints that are probably eight inches wide, nine inches wide. They're huge. Five toes. I'd see it in the mud going up the hillside behind the house. You could see where its toes dug in, and then it turned into leaves, and the leaves would be kicked up. And I, I said I'd follow it up. It'd follow me back. And it went on for over a summer, but it never did visit when there was snow on the ground. If there was snow on the ground, which would be really good tracks, I never saw its tracks in the snow. I don't know if it had a cave it held up in or what in that area. The one that I have here, I believe, migrates. It's only here a week before deer season starts and then about a week or two after. And that's it. I mean, there's no other signs of it all year round. And why do I think I have one here? Because I put out 50-pound salt mineral blocks up behind my house. I have cameras facing forward on the house. But I put salt mineral blocks up for the deer. 50-pound block, go up there two layers later, and it's gone. Now, you could pick up that block and walk 400 yards up a steep hill and then hit a logging road and then walk two miles on that logging road. But who's going to do that for a seven-pound salt block or $7 salt block? Nobody's going to steal that. That's stupid. But something has taken them. It wouldn't be a bear either. bear couldn't carry that in its mouth. No, a a bear will roll them. I've already looked into that. A bear will roll a salt block. But it can't physically pick one up. It can't get its mouth around a whole salt block. No, it's not no bear. Something picked it up and carried it off. But it's funny because my pure salt blocks that I get at Tractor Supply, it don't take those. But the brown salt mineral blocks for horses, it takes those. Mm. For the minerals, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. So that might be another way to get one to come around. Interesting. Maybe, have to or get that. one in a position to take a picture. But if you guys, believe me, don't use urine if you're going to be anywhere in the area. Gotcha. And you want cameras that will send you pictures. That way you know if something is visited and tore stuff up before you go to retrieve your cameras. Yeah, okay. just play it safe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I got to ask what happened. Did you ever get the shirt back or no? Um, the, the back of the shirt was ripped off 
And when I got to the house, I took it off and they just threw it away. I mean, it was, um, I was skateboarding back then and I had just got that shirt like a couple weeks earlier. So it was heavy, heavy cotton cloth and it was a Tony Hawk shirt. Oh, man. Big back then, and I'd gone to the mall in the skate shop, and I bought me a Tony Hawk shirt, and I was mad about my shirt. Um, oh, yeah. My mom had taken a Polaroid of the fingernail marks on my back, but I cannot find it anywhere. She passed away a few years ago, and I've been through all of her stuff, and it's gone. But man, and after we moved to Greer, South Carolina, my sister was going into the Navy when I was eighteen. So we moved from Greer up to Newark, Ohio for a few years, but so my mom can see my sister before she uh, went to the, or not Navy, Air Force, sorry. But I imagine it probably got lost in that move. Because, uh, I mean, we'd lost a few picture albums and stuff, so I imagine it got left. Yeah, that's too bad. That would have been something to see. Did it get some part of the shirt, though? Did it Did it tear some off? What's of that? It? Did it tear some of the shirt off and keep it, though, or take the it? The whole back. Yeah. So and grabbed never, me by the collar of the shirt and took the whole back off of it. So you never found that part of the shirt? No, I never found that part of the shirt. <laughs> and I mean, I you know, next day I walked up through the road and stuff. It wasn't laying on the road. It must have taken it with it. Oh, I bet it did, yeah. I guess so it has my sense so it can remind itself who it wants to rip their head off. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why I kept coming back. Yeah, you. well, you said you didn't feel like it was going to hurt you. Maybe it was just, maybe just curious. You were a Later kid, you're up there goofing off and it yeah, followed you down. Yeah, but as an and, adult, as an adult, I realize that. But as a kid, no way. Right. Most of my life, right. no way. Um, but I mean, I've also like forced myself not to think about this for a long time. And in hindsight now, you know, after I did my other interview, and hearing people's input, I believe me being a kid kept it from killing me. And I believe if I'd have been a full-grown adult male, I'd have been history, you know. And I believe it spared me because I was a kid and it eventually figured out, hey, this guy's not going back up there again. I ran him off my property. He's not coming up there again. He's leaving me alone. I'm just going to make sure he don't come up. But I do. Right believe it let me survive that night and following because i was a kid but i also believe if i went back up there in its area on that mountaintop i wouldn't be here the smartest thing i did was stay out of the woods and be home before dark i wholeheartedly believe if i had gone back up into those woods that thing would have killed me my parents are from west virginia and i've been to kanawa the kanawa mall yeah and uh, that area, I know exactly what you're talking about. Let's see, if you go to the northwest corner of the Canal Mall, right behind that is a set of stairs that go up and over the railroad tracks. Once you cross the railroad tracks, you're looking at 57th Street. If you go to the very point of the mountain there, there's a trail. You follow that trail up the ridge all the way to the top of the mountain. There is a gigantic rock up there we always call the Devil's Tea Table. It is two triangular dragon heads. One's looking down the mountain, one's looking up with a space in between the heads. They're triangular dragon heads. And back in the day, it actually looked like it had a slot alongside of its head for the eyes. And it's a natural rock formation. Hmm. So if anybody thinks, I don't know that area, and I'm BSing, anybody in that area can tell you where the Devil's Tea Table is. And that trail, if you follow it, it goes all the way up the mountain. It goes on for miles. It circles the ridge of the mountain, and then it goes down in the valley, comes back over, and if you stay on the right line, you're going to hit that old logging road that I used to travel. There's a lot of um, land up there, like you said, that, uh, yeah, it's, it's really dense in West Virginia. Oh, yeah. People do live at the base of mountains, and like you were saying earlier, I mean, they find a, as soon as that mountain comes down and plateaus out, Right at the base, people will put a house there. And you can literally open your door and walk 50 yards or less, and you're going up the mountain. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, if you'd have walked out the back door of this house 15 feet, you're in the trees. But that's after you climb up to get to it. Really dance up through there. All the mines in West Virginia, you take all those and all the caverns and caves. I mean, it's perfect spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Well, when I was a kid, I used to play in the coal mines on the weekends and then get caught, get in trouble. But that was in uh, Logan, West Virginia, before we moved to Kanawha City. That's where all the coal mines and stuff were, in uh, Logan, Taplin, Man, West Virginia. And then we had moved to Rand and was in Rand for about a year. And then we moved from Rand, West Virginia, we moved to Kanawha City up there where I had all this going on. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of caves and mines and abandoned mines and stuff like that up there. It's, you know, it's Cave Central. Well, that road I told you takes you to Devil's Tea Table. You go past it, or not road, trail. You go past it, and there's a big bald rock there, and the trail splits. If you take the left split, it takes you to a giant cave. I mean, it's a shallow cave, but it is a huge cave. And just all along that ridge, if you keep going there, well, there's nothing but caves up through there. Some are shallow, some are deep. I mean, we're talking West Virginia. Bears live in those caves and hibernate. They're, that place is littered with them. And as powerful as these things are, they could dig their own cave if they wanted to. They probably do. Are you getting out and hunting these days now or getting out in the woods at all now? Uh, yeah. Yes, I am. Um, deer season wasn't all that great here. Uh, I bow hunt traditional you know traditional archery or compound bow i i bow hunt um but i had so much going on i didn't have a lot of time to get out and deer hunt so i probably went out maybe two dozen times this season but last season i got three deer and of course i go out turkey hunting in the spring and fall and i go fishing a lot um i take my kayak out my camping gear and i'll camp along the creek bank and go catfishing overnight you know things like that but as far as deerning, I don't go very far in the woods anymore. Mm-mm. Turkey hunting, you're always hunting a field. You know, that's different. Right. Yeah, it's wide open. But I, I put out my salt and mineral box, and then before deer season, I take them out, and then I don't have to go very far to deer hunt. I can still enjoy hunting and still have a good chance. Going back in the mountains like I did when I was a kid, there's no way. Trailing a four-wheeler, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, like I said, West Virginia's definitely got a lot of uh, wooded area. If you're if you're not familiar with it and you don't know, it's really hard to understand how thick and dense those mountains can be. And you're right, there's a lot of caves and cavern systems in there. Anything could be right. living in there, you know? I mean, I'm living in Tennessee now, and Tennessee is the cave capital of the United States. Yeah, there's a lot there, too. Yeah. And, I mean, there's... Tennessee's littered with caves, and there's hundreds of caves that have not been discovered. I mean, I've got halfway up the mountain behind my house, I've got a sinkhole, and five streams of water, when it's storming, it can storm for a week, and tens of thousands of gallons of water go in this hole, and it doesn't come out anywhere. There is a massive cave under the mountain that I own behind my house. And I've talked to people that own land around it, and nobody knows where a cave entrance or exit is. Hmm. Well, that cave up there that that sinkhole goes to can be miles from here. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody around here hunts these woods and stuff, and nobody's found it. So um, there could be another small entrance somewhere else that this thing that comes by and visits during deer season hangs out with. I don't know. Never know with caves, man. But shoot, I mean, I've, I've gone up on the hill behind the house and find a tree that's broken off and laying on the ground, and I'm like, Okay, where'd this come from? It'd be like a white oak. And all there is around this white oak is cedars. And it's like the top of a tree has been broken off because there's no root system. But this tree is just laying randomly in the middle of these cedar trees. And there's no tree like it around the area. And maybe 100 yards away. But how'd that tree get there? The wind didn't blow it through all those trees because it's like 2,000 pounds. This tree's there. I mean, uh, if it was daylight, I could walk up there on the live stream right now and show you three of them that are just randomly laying there and no tree like it in the area. Hmm. Yeah, you'll have to get us some pictures and send them to us. Yeah, I'm good. I'd like to see that. Yeah, sure. Uh, you've got my email. Yep. Email me a link because I've got a guy next month that he says he's got one in a city near me. And he said, I'll take you up there and show you that area. He said, but I'm not staying. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you take me up there and show me that area. I'm going to set up a backdrop of a tarp, hang my backpack there, put me a trail cam underneath it, and I'll have my FLIR camera with me. And 
set up a lantern in front and see if we can get this thing to walk up behind me. Walks up behind me, I get you on trail camera, I'll share them with you. Yeah, we'd love to see. Of course, you know, I'm going to be carrying a couple of long range hole punchers with me. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. (laughs) I don't blame you. I mean, I'm not going to be intending to cause injury, but I would be intending to loud noise scare off. Well, Chester, we appreciate you talking to us tonight and telling us your encounter. That was amazing. Yeah, we do. That was awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Can you imagine the fear? No. Of seeing a Bigfoot, let alone getting chased by a Let alone being chased by one. And it grabbing you and almost snatching you up. Yeah. No, that's... mm -mm. And this thing went back and was... You remember he's talking about how it would like at nighttime come around his his windows you know yeah still uh, sniffing around uh, it probably had his shirt knew his scent and was was tracking him so mm-hmm. crazy these things what is what is with that this is so weird. Oh, it's wild and you wonder if he was really going to hurt hurt him what we done if he would have caught him you know well i mean he did some pretty stupid stuff yeah he did. <laughs> to you provoke know. it so yeah he knew he did too he admitted to it yeah, but he knew he did yeah crazy stuff so i guess if you know there's bigfoot in your yeah. area and you really want to have contact there you go this pee yeah, pissing its tree. pissing its territory, and they'll <laughs> they'll come find you. <laughs> anyway, another good episode, listeners. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it so much. As well, yeah, as man, always. always fun. We love y'all. If you want to get get a hold of us, you know how to do it. Info at cryptidcreatures.co. Check out our website www.cryptidcreatures.net. We hope to hear from you guys. Brian, thanks for being with me again, man. Man, always fun. All right, we'll get out of here. Until next time. Yep. Yep. See ya.